2: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
0: 1.8 to go, Duke down by four. On the inbound, it's picked, and the party is done in winston same Kyle Filipowski is being helped off by members of the Duke staff. And you saw the immediate bear hug surrounding him as this court storming is in full effect with Filipowski hobbled. Wow. That should not happen. That right there is why court storming should not happen. It has become a hot button issue over the last few years. So that's what it sounded like on the four letter network over the weekend. You got Duke in Winston-Salem against Wake Forest. By the way, a place in Wake Forest where they've won a game or 10. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like you know, Merrimack beat Duke at the Garden or something and people ran out on the floor, you know what I mean? Oh, I'm not besmirching the good people at Merrimack. I'm just using them as an example of a school that maybe hasn't had a ton of success who would run on the floor. You would think it wouldn't be that way at Wake Forest, but nevertheless, uh, Kyle Filipowski has to get helped off the floor. When you first saw this story, because I know we're going to get to John Shire and hear from Filipowski, but when you first saw this, what was your gut gut reaction? Honest. Okay. Uh, Watching the video, Mm -hmm. um, I thought he was part of the problem. What? Yep. I thought he was part of the problem. If you watch it, so go to Twitch right now and Cooper played again. If you watch from the beginning, Gresh, he purposely tries to trip one of the Wake Forest fans that are running onto the court. Uh huh. You can easily tell Cooper played again from the beginning. Shot goes up, whatever. The clock doesn't strike zero, right? They steal the ball and here they come. And then he's trying, he's walking. As you see it, they close up. He tries to trip one of the players. Mm. And I would say, I know, maybe you don't see it. No, um, I did. But um, I thought he was he engaged. And it wasn't a player. He, he tried to trip a fan. one of the fans. He tried to trip one of the fans. I am convinced of it, that he tried to trip one of them because he's, he was irritated. And I've been on the court, or I've been on the field, when, when uh, the opposing team, here he has it right here. You he just, oh, this is, um... um That's the overhead. Watch his, watch his right leg. Oh, no, this is after he got hit. That's after he got knocked down by the mounds of people storming the court. Yeah. I don't know. I guess when you practice, you should be practicing in that, right? I just don't. Here's the thing. Do I think it's like suddenly people and fans have been storming the court for for centuries? Uh-huh. Centuries. It's the dawn of time. And for some reason, suddenly, it's becoming a problem. Now... Is it a really a problem? Because a lot of people are using Caitlin Clark as a, as the other example. Mm-hmm. What I will tell you, Caitlin Clark flopped. She didn't need to engage. She so, flopped and so, she exaggerated. Uh, so basically run on the court, everybody do your thing, whatever. I'm not saying hey, Bingham, that hey, things Binghamton, can't go wrong. Just run right all on the court. All 20 of you. All, all 30 <laughs> fans at Binghamton. You know what? Well, oh, no. You Go. tell me. Hold on. Wait a second. This okay, is real. I can't believe you're even. Di- I can't believe you're even trying to fade the heat to the players. I'm not yeah, saying. Kay. Yeah, Caitlin Clark it just uh, she uh, flopped. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, she ran right into right. the person because, and then exaggerated it. Cause, yeah, cause absolutely. Because those, those people are supposed to be out there. So, so you are 100 for no storming the court. It's so easy to fix. It isn't funny. It, okay, let's start. Let's start with basketball. How do you fix it? You're gonna put armed guards. You're gonna get a bunch of uh, orange jacket wearing dudes and uh, line them up with 15 seconds left. It's very. And, how, tell me how you can do it. It's very easy. Shock them all. Shoot them from the up from the from the from the rafters. Well, number one, if you know that you're gonna have one of those situations and you know you have a big team coming into town, I would like to think that the schools have an appropriate amount of security people who would be able to handle this situation. So the first thing you got to do is look at the schools and say are you are you are you cheaping out or are you getting Oh yeah, that was a total flop. See, that's my sure. point. It. So now yeah, it's a yeah. thing. Oh yeah, cuz that woman the should total have been flop. Right, that woman should have been running on the court. What was Caitlin Clark thinking? That's it's amazing. What was Honestly she God, thinking? Before Caitlin Clark I'm, got hit, sh- when was the last time you heard of a player getting injured because somebody was storming the court? Tell me, when was the last time you have oh, ever yeah, heard oh, of oh, a player? Her, oh, that girl's oh, got her flop. phone up. Now watch. That girl's now got watch. her phone up, though. Now watch. Oh. Ooh. She's got Ooh. her phone up. Oh, it took her five seconds to fall down. Again. Stop it. Again, is that is that girl with her phone supposed to be out there? So then what are we talking about? That's then, really... Then tell me how it makes it... Come on, Bob, very, Bob the Builder. Very how are you simple, fixing it? Very simple. You're pulling the security people from the upper deck down, and you're doing what has been done before, where you have the security people, you got two in the middle, you got one on each end, and you just have, like, the whether it's the rope or the string or whatever, you got to have people down around the court... And in those areas where people can rush the floor, which is much more the end lines than it is where the you know media and the referees and the broadcast people are actually set up, you have the giant rope like they do. Guess what, Christian? At the Super Bowl, at the Super Bowl, they create an area where all these people are all over the field and they cordon off the area where only people who are credentialed are supposed to be inside can get inside there. So it's not hard to grab your people from the upper deck, have the giant rope, say to these dumb kids, you go over this, you're going to fall, whatever in the world it is. They got a ton of security people down there and you got to block off each end. Boy, I'll tell you, that seems real hard. But no, instead, Again, let's, just a, is, let's just jeopardize let's just jeopardize the student athletes because every oh once God. in a you while are, they run out on are, the floor. I cannot believe what a big baby you are unbelievable are oh, you oh, again, really so again wait, do you uh, wait so again, my question caitlin clark caitlin F- clark gets she flopped. hurt. again you're she's a flopper again you're fading the heat so filipowski misses the ncaa tournament it's all his fault right? i'm not saying that no, no, no. i'm not sure yes, you are i'm you're not fading. saying that you said he's the problem you tell me i think this is an outlier is what ultimately is what i think it is you have caitlin clark flopping making it worse she's a she's going to be the She's one of the best athletes in America, okay, and she can't see that, and yeah. then she can't recover. Please, She's I'm not of, buying it. She's also she one lost. Of the, she's also one Stop. of the best. She's also one of the best athletes in America who has to deal with all this stuff. I think I'm, Phil sure, Powsky, look, I'm sure. I look, think he stuck his foot out there you on know purpose. What? I, I'm sure the Knicks tonight will be dealing with people just running on the floor whenever, because well, it'll be the players' fault when they do. So the players should just stop and hold the so ball you think, and let this guy I run knew, around really like, like Curly you've, from the you, Three you, you, you played sports. You cover sports. You've been around a long time. You've seen you've, – and you bet on sports. So you're watching a lot of basketball, especially college, right? Because that's when they tend – and especially in basketball, nobody storms the court in the mm-hmm. NBA, okay? It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a fine structure in the SEC. It's $100,000. They don't care. Um, Tennessee beat Alabama the athletic director was smoking a cigar saying money well spent um this becoming a thing because of these least the, these last two incidents but I asked you before Caitlin Clark was it ever even remotely on your radar did you ever hear of a coach complain or a oh, player yeah. complain I this happens not nationally com- no this this will happen in terms of storming a court. A couple times a year where a coach will bitch. Hey, here's the thing. If Kyle Filipowski looked at the first guy running at him and hit him with an elbow right in the jaw and knocked him out, who gets sued? Thank you. Right. So, there you go. You want to make it legal? Allow me to throw. How about that? Why don't we just do that? Let's Let's just let the athletes... If if you're gonna run on the court, then guess what? Mm, boom, that happens I'm gonna, too. I'm gonna cup you. That Oh, oh and, too. And, and and again, who would get sued in an instance where an athlete would be defending themselves of a bunch of people illegally running on the floor and they start cold cocking people or hitting people with MMA moves or whatever? How's that go down? I'm just saying it. it it's it's maybe it's a thing now because the students are different. Filipowski. Uh, you know, will say like that they were picking on him, and it was intentional. Um, uh, Somebody said, "Put up glass." The crowds never storm the ice. Yeah, <laughs> I, did, I just feel like I it just, is. I feel like I, it, pe- no. I think people are a little more sensitive to it based on the two incidents that have happened in less than a month. The Caitlin Clark one was she absolutely flopped and made it a bigger deal than it was. She didn't miss any time. Do things happen when? Yeah, they do. But should you? Now, to your theory, to your whole suggestion, all right, you put the rope around, okay, the players get off the court, now storm it, fine. Whatever. Let the players get off the court so nobody gets hurt. Is that girl who ran on the court holding her phone really high, if Caitlin Clark hit her with an elbow and knocked her out, how quick is mommy or daddy for little Janie because they ran on the court going to sue because someone said, oh, there's someone out here who shouldn't be. I should defend myself. Especially at a place like Duke. Which would be reasonable or Iowa or whatever. I heard Coco this morning on the Greg Hill Show Screaming, they should never take this away. But that leads us to Coco. Not the bikini thing on Twitch or anything like that. Huh? Did you hear Courtney? <laughs> yeah, there was a, I think there was a bikini what? shot of Courtney that they put on Twitch to jack up well, the was, number at the end of the show. Oh my God. I'm pretty sure there was Did something. Did they like tease that. it? Coco's going to be in a bikini? Oh, oh they were talking oh my, about I it. Like in, a week. They were talking about <laughs> it in like 6.15 on the whole. When's he going to get in there? So anyway, Courtney mentioned. The flying JetBlue, her and Santo were in row 12. Santo put his bag above row 5 on the way in to the onto the plane, and somebody kvetched and moaned about it. She brought it up as a big beef. But she also mentioned they were in boarding group B. And then right before boarding group B, Santo decides to go grab a coffee. Now, let me ask you this. <laughs> what normal, sane flyer who knows there are boarding groups decides that when they announce group A, he's like, I know we're next. I'm going to go wait in the line at Duncan and get a coffee. To me, I think Santo brought it on both him and Courtney of getting kvetched at because what crazy person leaves the gate right before they're about to board? If you really think about it, we're now like we are we are uh, trained sheep when it comes to getting on a plane. That's, an, ar- your, that's an arrogant flyer. Here's your boarding group, yep. and everyone is like waiting to get right in the front of their boarding group, are they not? It, How many people is, hoard the line it's very to where they're going to go in and scan their little thing? Yeah, I hate it. I, and I'm a nervous flyer, so I'm not going anywhere. The fact that he, he left the area... Right before? Wait, uh regarding A, and it's like, yeah, hey, honey, I feel like this is a good time. The line's probably gonna be short. Don't worry, I'm not gonna miss anything. And he left and then he had to go to the later boarding group. So well, we had to put his- and 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 C, so what he did was Santo strands his lovely wife when they're doing uh boarding group B, uh please, morning, boarding group B. And she's, like, standing there looking down the thing. She should have left and him. This, and this guy's waiting for a, you know, a medium hot with extra sugar. She should have left him. And, by the way, how quick is the service on uh, on most planes? Within 45 minutes? Yep. Could have waited an hour to get a coffee. And they're flying to Florida? Two. Okay. And it's such a short flight. We really can't wait. Are you that, jo- you're jonesing for caffeine that much that you have to risk your position on the flight? And, and yeah, so I I, I, I think if Santo had just, you know, followed the rules and just waited for a coffee or <laughs> That's something. That's a rookie mistake. Then maybe it would have been yeah, okay. rookie mistake. Well, you know what it is? That is that is a little bit of the danger on the old open open airline stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you go in there and you get assigned seats. It's not the worst thing in the world. But the way he, the the, the- where so he was like in what seat twelve and he put his bag and like what oh so it was one of those where because they were in boarding group B and they realized they're in row twelve it was the whole well shoving in there wherever you can right like just you know get okay you see a space go ahead and fill it in or whatever uh, but if you were with your regular boarding group it would have been a problem. That's the whole point. I have I have a bag just I have overhead right over that I, have today. A, I have an overhead compartment hack. Why? Oh, really? Yeah. Share it quickly. Uh if I'm getting down there, I'm if there if I know there's not a lot of space, I put it as close to the front of the plane as possible, knowing that I can just jump off uh, once they start deboarding and I grab it and it's right there waiting for me, I have no issues. Now, is that on flights with no first class? It doesn't matter. Because as someone who likes to sit in the front, no, not if you try to put your bag in my spot, but, I'd probably yell. But you wouldn't know. The bag would already be there. Oh, I watch, brother. No, because you, if, if you're on the plane early, and you're sitting there watching everybody get on. It's just like if you were in the early part <laughs> of the B group, you would have been in there and, and had no problems. So anyway, Coco and uh, crew will be from Florida Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, on the uh, on the Greg Hill show, I let Courtney know that we were going to talk about this, and the Santa was the one that completely screwed it up. I think she can get behind that. She could be like, "Yeah, you left me like a damsel in distress with <laughs> the she... bags there waiting to get on in the wrong group." <sighs> uh, we'll keep rolling. We got some folks who want <laughs> in all. I'm sure they all uh, the they all agree with me. All right, oh. I, I, I already, Philip uh, uh, Flabowski. Uh, who? He, Is it, how do you say it, Philipowski? Uh-huh. Is that how you say it? Uh, Flambe. Flambe tried to step on the fan, guilty. And I'm sure Marcus Uh. in Boston is going to say that Caitlin Clark flopped. I guarantee you. Guarantee it. The fact that you're just all hot and bothered by this, I'm amazed by. Well, again, you're the daughter of a Division One college basketball athlete. Father, father, father. Sorry, you have a daughter. No, you have a daughter (laughs) who is a Division One college basketball athlete, and you would blame her before someone running into her when they shouldn't be on the court. It's just never. It's like suddenly it's a thing. It's like it's been going on forever. Suddenly it's a thing. They won the SUNY State Championship in 95. All the 10 kids (laughs) that show up because their teachers take them as a field trip.
2: is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
0: Joining us now on the uh, Harbor One hotline, uh, Andy's going to join us on Zoom as well. Uh, and it is uh, it's from the uh, raising money for Boston Children's Hospital, the 11th annual oh. saving by shaving. He is the uh, the head man, the chief cook, bottle washer, and look at that high wow. and tight on Brad Stevens. Brad, it's Greshon Fourier here, uh, back up in Brighton, and I I'm sure you have been told you are a young looking <laughs> man. Now you have just shaved 20 years off of your look. You look like you're about fresh out of school for crying out loud. That is beautiful.
1: That, that was probably the last time I had this cut. It um, <laughs> was about 20 years ago. But, uh, but obviously awesome cause and happy to do it. And I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, taken back because this is the first time I've seen it. I'm looking at the, the computer screen. Oh, right you're looking at yourself. With the Zoom. So, um, yeah, pardon me if I'm stumbling.
0: <laughs> well, didn't, didn't Drew Holiday cut his hair also?
1: no drew was a guest barber
0: oh okay yeah so
1: drew drew took care of joe's hair and you know i encouraged drew to be as creative as he wanted to be (laughs) and you know he in typical drew fashion he just did his job and did it well and um, you know didn't bring any of the extra flair
0: okay i was thinking maybe you could treat it like a like a rookie hazing you know haircut where you just do one big line right down the middle (laughs) <laughs> and then send him on his way.
1: Joe and I are the rookies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, therefore, no rookie hazing. Yeah, uh, that's right. uh, Brad, your team has performed remarkably this year. There's been a lot of talk about Jason Tatum in terms of winning the MVP. To me, last night was one of those games if somebody needed to be convinced hey, why is this guy an MVP? I thought last night's performance is one of those games that you can sort of flip on. You have seen this guy from an 18-year-old to where he is at right now. What are some of the things to your trained basketball eye that really stand out to you about the maturity and the growth of Jason?
1: Well, Jason's been a stud ever since he came into the league. Obviously, you knew that it was going to be a, a path of growth um, that he was going to take because he takes care of himself, he has a routine, he works really hard, you know, all of those types of things. And, you know, I, I always kind of harken back to this. You know, we're, we're injured his first year in the playoffs, and we're playing Philly, who was really good in, in, in every play we're calling in the third and fourth quarter seems to be for jason tatum who's a you know 19 year old rookie and so he's just been doing it for a long time um all he's done is win obviously we all want to um be standing there at the end to do something we haven't done with this group but um you know this guy has by the time he's you know 25 years old has done stuff that very few people have done and uh, he should be in any conversation. Listen, there's great players all over the league, and you know, just like I've said when I vote for All-Star stuff, you know, um, when I was coaching, the winning part really matters. And so, um, the good news is, is you know, this is a huge talking point outside of our building. It's not a huge talking point in our building. You know, we're very focused on just trying to get better. We all want to be the last team standing. We all know that there's a lot in front of us to do that. And, you know, part of the reason we have a chance to do that is because we've got, you know, several really good players um, and a guy who has a real chance at the MVP.
0: Yeah, and, and I know it, it seems like the messaging with you guys, Brad, is, uh, is, you know, being compartmentalizing it and not letting any of the outside noise affect you guys. But I am curious if you think Tatum is, uh, you know, held to a different standard based on the team that he's on.
1: Um, I have no idea because I don't really pay attention to all that stuff. I think, listen, I think the, the, the way, I think what sometimes gets lost in the shuffle is when you look at, and him and Jalen are 25 and 26, they're going to turn 26, or Jalen may have turned 27, but they're, what they've done in their first few years before hitting their prime is rare error. Right, and I think that that's something because of how far they've been, there's going to be more scrutiny, there's going to be more eyes and all the stuff that comes with that, and that's just part of it. So um, if if he's held to a different standard, it's because he set the bar for it. You know, it's not because, you know, people are looking at him as anything more than a guy that, you know, they've watched be awesome for a long time, and, you know, um, and he's done an amazing job, And but his – He'd be the first to tell you, and, you know, I don't pay attention to everything he says in the media, but I'm guessing that he would be the first to tell you that, for him, it's about winning in June.
0: Brad Stevens is with us. Um, What is more fulfilling for you, standing on the sideline, coaching a great team, or sitting up on the 11th floor watching the great team you put together?
1: Well, in college you do both. Um, and you get the you get a chance to to, to really be obviously uh, the decision maker on putting it together and coaching it. Um, I think one of the things that every college coach would tell you is they don't get to spend enough time on basketball. They don't get enough to spend enough time thinking about coaching their team. It's probably like ten or fifteen percent of their time, and and I think that that's a that's a real thing, and, and it's a reason why there aren't a lot of people that hold that dual title in basketball. Um, of president or, or GM and coach, just because it's such a it's such a task. Both are such tasks. Um, there are benefits and um, cons to both, and you take great joy in watching um, you know the team that you're a part of go through the challenges that the season presents. I, I think that the thing in coaching is you're just in it, like you're so in it. You're so in the weeds of it. You're in every play. You're in every. Um, design you 're in every up and down here you 're taking more of a ten thousand foot view, and I think the ten thousand foot view maybe allows you to appreciate the people you 're with even more all the time you know and I think that that 's something that i 've really tried to do I, I just appreciate i 've loved watching our coaching staff work i've loved watching our team um, continue to get better and I loved watching them you know be very intent on continuing to get better um, because that 's what we have to do. Both of them have a lot of positives though. Um, when you're sitting here and you get to be a part of a team.
0: You know Brad, uh, um, you know Joe Mazzulla's grown out a lot of people. Just, you know, the, the way he coaches, the the way he claps back at, you know, reporters, specifically Kerry Washburn. <laughs> like those two guys have a fun little relationship going back and forth. But curious on your end, um, what did you what do you know about him now as a coach that you didn't know when he was
1: assistant? boy i mean i've known him for a long time um he 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 joined our g league staff in like fourteen or fifteen. Um, he was in the locker room next to us as a player in the final four in two thousand ten when we were when Butler and West Virginia were both there um and i didn't know him, but I had watched him close. Um, I used to do a round table with fifty college coaches and and people from different industries that would come in and speak for you know 36 hours in the early fall so that we could all kind of get our wheels turning to start a season and he was one of the young coaches that had caught everybody's attention that we invited to speak and we all left blown away even more so i would say that um nothing has surprised me um he is uh he, he listen he's a he's a ultra competitor he is a lifelong learner um he's not afraid you know he's got a lot of the great qualities that you need to be a good coach and um, and he's really good on both sides of the ball. I mean, we've had really good success, um, you know, with him leading the way.
0: Brad, I want to follow up on Christian's question from this end. You're the president of basketball operations, and all of us, when we talk about this team, talk about the Jimmys and the Joes and the team that you put together, but you clearly identified something in Joe Missoula that you liked. Is that easy for you to see? Like, you're the president of basketball ops. Not only do you need players but coaches as well. Like, how do you know when you've got somebody like a Joe Musulu, where you're like, you know what, that guy's going to be pretty good. Like, what stands out to you to say, oh, that guy is going to be a, a head coach somewhere someday?
1: Well, when he took over, it was obviously a really hard situation, and um, and you know, obviously in that moment, um, you know, there are a lot of qualified people in in the building, but I think the the he's just such a great leader he's good at galvanizing the room uh he knows the game on both ends of the floor he sees the game in real time which i think is a important you know thing and um and he just does a great job and um you know i think that listen i'm not i'm not the best cap guy in the world i I, i'm not mr analytics um i'm not you know um probably qualified to do any of our nutrition or sports science or any of that stuff but I guess my professional background is in coaching so if i uh I, I hope that i um you know at least can see a good coach and know a good coach when we see one
0: so last one for me brad um Porzingis, um again having a great year awesome. is this how you kind of envisioned his kind of place on the team so like everybody benefits from what he can do like tons of assists I and mean, it's just everything he does makes everybody better
1: Yeah, and I think um, the other part is I think he can keep getting better. Uh, And I think that that's a huge emphasis for our whole team. I mean, individually we all should be, you know, focused on that. Collectively we should be focused on that. But I saw a couple plays defensively, especially in the third quarter where he switched on the guards yesterday. He made it a lot harder. Like he's he's doing some things that I think – I just think he can continue to grow. And, you know, I I don't think – when these guys are in their 20s or early 30s, or shoot, Al Horford's 37, I don't think we should put ceilings on where they can go as far as getting better and improving. Um, and, and so he has done that throughout the course of his career. I'm not surprised that he's had a huge impact on our team, and I'm not surprised that he keeps getting better as the year goes on. Uh, he's still, you know, he's, he's another guy that really age-wise is in a lot of ways just entering his prime. And so I think that... Um, you know, he's got he's, he had a huge impact, but I think it could just go up. Um, at the 11th annual Saving by Shaving, raising
0: money for Boston Children's Hospital, uh, the of course, the uh, president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens, with us. Now, one other thing before we let you out of here. We mentioned the haircut at the beginning. Did uh, obviously Rob Hale tied into Celtics ownership, all that. Did you let your wife know? That this was happening or like when you walk through the door, I don't know if your wife will go full name on you if you've done something, you know, Bradley Kent Stevens, what did you do? Are you going to get one of those today or did she clear this buzz cut for you?
1: (laughs) Tracy and I have been married for 20 years. We have two kids and a dog. I'm fifth in our house. Like she could care less what I what I do with my all hair. Right, so enough. I think I think we're all I can do whatever. I can do whatever. So it, I don't I don't think this will be a big test. Um, she, you know, I, I've known all along that I wasn't, you know, in her eyes, the best looking guy in the world. So that's okay. Okay. How we're, will we'll live?
0: Will your kids give you the business for the shave down?
1: I'll get. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll get a little bit of that, but. Um, They know why I'm here. They know it's for a great cause, and we all, you know, we've all visited Boston Children's. We all love Boston Children's, and, you know, shaving off some hair for Boston Children's is a no-brainer.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, you win the championship. you got to shave it again for the parade. you got to find a way to stand out like Fourier did with the Patriots, except (laughs) yours won't be slurred words, Brad Stevens. Thanks a bunch. We appreciate (laughs) the time, and uh, you look great.
2: Hopefully we get to talk to you
0: down the road.
2: All right, guys, be well.
0: Kurt Warner is with Gresh and Fourier here on WEEI. Kurt, uh, good morning. I think where you are, how are you? It is the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, How early is it, though, really? Oh, you know? yeah. Well, you NFLers. Uh, it's it's you, not that early. Yeah, not that early. And, and you NFLers get up early anyway. I think it's just ingrained that after so many years in the league, it's all. I almost think, like, for some of you guys, like Christian, it's like an automatic alarm that kind of wakes you up because there's the fear of, Oh my God, am I late to a meeting or something like that?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I do, I, I still do get up early. I, I thought that was more seven kids than it was uh, the fact that I played in the NFL for a while, but uh, I still like to get up and get my workout in early and then, uh, and then the rest of the day and, and everything else can start. So got my workout in and I'm ready to go.
0: Look at that. See something we have in common already. He's got seven. I got seven. How about that? Oh, I, Oh, Look hey, at that. it couldn't be the workout. Oh, thing. Man, kindred spirits. <laughs> you know, before, hey, Kurt, before we get into these quarterbacks and the combine and all that stuff and evaluating them, we've been, you know, Gresh and I have been going back and forth about uh, these, uh, the, the player grades that were just released, you know, and, I'm curious, how important was the family aspect of uh, from the teams that you were on? Like, how important was what the teams and the organizations provided you to make it easier for you to play?
3: I mean, it was important, but it wasn't that important. Um, you know, the fact that you can still go to your job and you can still um, you do what you need to do. Um, you know, I was in some places that, that needed some big-time upgrades, without a doubt. Uh, But, you know, sometimes I wonder if that even brought us together closer as a team as we, uh, you know, grumbled in the locker room about the food that we had or or the amenities. Uh, I remember when we went to the Super Bowl in in 08 from Arizona and we went down to to Tampa's new facility and we were all kind of in awe, like, what What are you talking about? Why why can't we have some of this stuff? But, um, you know, I think the bottom line is you you learn to, to manage with what you have. Um, you always look and want upgrades and you want to, you know, them to make it easier and, and, you know, different things. I remember, you know, just the first time we got like a TV and, and sound system in the locker room and what that did for, you know, guys to be able Edger and James was kind of our guy that would, would run the music, but, you know, put the music in the locker room and what that did for all of us, just kind of you know having fun and, and being able to, to or wanting to be in the locker room together, and, and guys gravitating from their different positions, you know, over to where the radio was because you know when you're in the league, you know a lot of times as well DBs are over here, and offensive linemen over there, and quarterbacks over here. Uh, always nice when you can have those moments to bring everybody together. So you know, I think there is some importance and some really good things that can come from all of that. I mean, the nutrition, obviously. Is a huge piece now that wasn't really a part of it when I was playing, uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you know, with Arizona as they were upgrading all of that stuff, we we still went to the Super Bowls, you know. So you can still be successful and find ways to be successful, but I mean, everybody likes to have the best of everything, you know. I always find it interesting with you know these grading systems is like, you know, for me, it, you know, for grading, you know, ownership or, or facilities. I've only been to a, a couple. You know, it's not like you know I, I know all 32 owners well enough to to grade them. So I'm always interesting when always interested when they you know have this guy's ranked 32. I mean, how many people know all of these owners to be able to grade all of these things where they're at? How do they determine that? But but oh well. I mean, it's you, you deal with what you have to deal with, and everybody always wants a little bit more.
0: The legend Kurt Warner with Gresh and Fourier, and Kurt, I'm curious where you land on evaluating quarterbacks coming into the NFL. Clearly the Patriots are at the number three pick. There are three quarterbacks that are rumored to be top three, top five picks. But when you flip on the tape or you get to talk to one of these kids, what is it, Kurt Warner, that you're trying to figure out to know whether they can be really successful in the NFL? Uh,
3: The bottom line for me is I just want to know How quickly they can process information because at the end of the day i believe that's what it's all about is that you know no matter how talented you are can you see it can you process it and can you make the proper decision in doing that because what we know is that it takes you know you get four or five seconds is all you get to process all the information that the nfl is going to throw at you and with the you know the best athletes in the world and so That's what I want to know. I mean, it can look a lot of different ways in how you process and what you do with it, but I got to know that you can process it, and that to me is is why I'm not a big draft guy. Um, You know, I I cover it and I do my job and and I try to do the best that I can. But what I realize is every one of these guys has to be better in the NFL. Like nobody's going to be able to stand pat with what we see on film in college and be great at the NFL level. It just it's not going to happen. You know, those guys are rare that are just so good at the college level that they don't have to get any better and can be great at the NFL level. Most guys have to improve. And so not only are we trying to project who they are, what they can do, watch the film, different offenses, all that stuff, but then we're also trying to project okay, who's got the ability to move forward. You know, and, and so I can use my example, right? I played one year in college there's no way I was the same player in college that when I got to the NFL you know really in 99 and made my run I was a completely different player how about Tom Brady Tom Brady was a good college quarterback not a great college quarterback and he just continued to ascend and get better and better and better to become one of the greats and then we've got plenty of guys on the other side that were great college players and they couldn't make the jump and they never got any better and they disappeared in the NFL and so that to me is why this is so hard is It's not apples to apples in what we're looking at. But then the bottom line is, who's got the ability to get better, right? Who's got the ability to improve incrementally every year to improve their craft and to do it against the best in the world? And that's a complete unknown for anybody, no matter what anybody tells you. I knew that guy. No, you didn't know that because none of us know how these guys are going to move forward and and what, you know, we use that word ceiling all the time. We never really know what a guy's ceiling is until they get to it. Once they get to it, we go, oh, gosh, okay, that's where it was. Uh, you know, and some guys, as again, Tom Brady I think, a great example. It seemed like he got better every single year of his career, and you're just sitting there going, like, how's the guy's 45? How's he keep getting better? But that ceiling, he just continued to push the envelope, and not everybody has the ability to do that.
0: Uh, I think that's great. I was just uh, referencing, looking at one of your tweets, and this funny. Uh, this is why I wanted to talk to you because in the end you said, you said you're not a draft guy because uh, you have no confidence that you can know with the QB position, and, and I agree with you. And there's an aspect of luck that is, is involved in that, and with that, Kurt, I am curious because uh, you, you, you have watched some film with some of these guys. If you are picking, um, what is more important for you, the, the the actual what these guys show on tape or what you see when you see them run, jump, and sprint at the combine? <laughs>
3: <laughs> obviously, obviously it's the tape, but I will tell you the combine to me would be as much about the interviews as it would be about anything else is like, I want to be able to take the tape and then I want to be able to take the player and go, tell me what you were seeing. Tell me what you were thinking. Give me the process here on this play so they I can connect the two. That's what I don't get the opportunity to do. I get to watch the film. I don't get to connect the mental to the physical. So that would be the biggest thing, but you're not know, doing a little piece for, for NFL plus um, just about the combine, because I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, why do we guys even go to the combine? What does the combine do for us? I tell you what, what I, what I watch when I watch at uh, quarterbacks at the combine is I want to see how they throw different footballs. I want to see if they've got the ability to understand how to make the different throws. So that's technique, you know, what their footwork looks like, because that to me, translates a lot of these guys they're forced to go under center for the first time and they look so awkward and they struggle and so that kind of lets me know okay where's where is he at in the process if I want to be a guy that goes under center if I want to be an offense that goes under center I want to see how quickly they get the ball out I want to see their ability to throw with touch right when we show to throw these go routes in the combine you got guys that try to throw at 65 yards and I just shake my head because it's like I don't care. You Don't throw it 65 yards in a game. I want you to throw it 45 yards with touch early so your guy can go adjust and make the catch, and you're not throwing it 10 yards over his head just because you have a cannon arm. So I look at things like that, like the fluidity of how they that they play and the fluidity of how they throw the football. Do Can they put touch on it? Can they have timing? So those are things that I do glean from, uh, from the combine. You know, I, I go back a number of years ago because I remember when I first started covering it. And Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins were at the Combine that year, okay? Neither of them were necessarily the most highly touted guys. But I left the Combine going, those, watch those two guys. Those two guys just understood how to play and throw the football. And, you know, so I just kind of mark it in my mind. I do not go tell anybody because I have no idea really, does that really correlate? How does it correlate, even though I think it does? And then I look back here 10 years later and go, there you go. Those two guys are guys that I never see throw the ball 100 miles an hour. They understand how to throw and how to play the position, and it's gone a long way for both of them to have a really, really good careers. So those are the kind of things I look at the combine, even though, to your point, film is always going to be more important. Sitting down in an interview room is always going to be more important than how fast they run a 40 or, or how well they throw against air. But I think there are things that you can pull from it if you're looking at the right things.
0: So we're talking to Kurt Warner. And, Kurt, uh, last one for me, um, with that, with everything you just said, so you've watched – have you watched the top three guys? Have you watched Williams, May, and Daniels yet?
3: Yeah, yeah I've watched the top six, basically, yeah. Okay, so people sport.
0: Okay, so can you rank them or can you tell me – are we all? Is it true that Caleb Williams is the best quarterback? Do you see something different in Drake May that we maybe you know the average person couldn't recognize? Are we are we are we not giving JJ McCarthy enough credit? Um,
3: you know, so yeah, I, I think Caleb is the best quarterback. You know, because I think he has the traits, the really special traits, um, and playmaking ability, and kind of feel for the game that very few guys have. Um, you know, his tape is kind of tough because some of their offenses, some of the games I watch, I'm like, ah, I hate this offense. Doesn't give him <laughs> a chance to process, but I've watched some other games where I go, okay, here's a game that gives me more of an idea. I think when you see a guy do it at his level for, you know, two plus years, um, you know, I think you can put all that together and, and say, he's the best you know, prospect to come into the NFL, um, you know, of this class, uh, you know, and then yeah, you put McCarthy in there. I think a lot of people have Jaden Daniels in there along with Drake May. Um, And so, you know, the thing with McCarthy that's really tough for me is, yeah, it was more of a pro style offense. They asked him to do, you know, maybe a a few more things than other guys might do from a a pro perspective, but he never had to carry the team. You know, he was a guy that would throw the ball 22, 23 times a game. You know, the pressure wasn't on him to have to throw and make plays and, and, and continually carry the team. And so that's always a hard one for me, um, you know, to look at a guy like that and, and automatically put him up there because we never saw that. Like, I wanted to see him in a couple games where it was like, we have to throw to win. You know, we, we've got to win with our quarterback. If I'm going to take a guy as a franchise guy, um, you know, although there's some things to like there. Um, and then, you know, to me, you know, the other two guys are very interesting. You know, Jaden Daniels, Uh, all the physical ability to to run around, uh, you know, his ability and the way he played last year was so good. Um, You know, I just watched the Ole Miss game last night and it was some really good stuff from a processing standpoint. So uh, I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing there. Drake may is interesting because he's big, he's strong. He's got the big arm, uh, but there's a level of inconsistency uh, with him throwing the football. And that always worries me. And you know, I always use the comparison, note to, to Patrick Mahomes. It was like Patrick Mahomes in college, if you watched him, you know, the technique was kind of loose and all over the place. He would do certain things that you're like, oh, my gosh, you can't do that in the NFL. And it wasn't until he got to the NFL where I think he kind of settled in and we got to see his entire skill set and, you know, his game elevated from where he was in college. And so, you know, with Drake May, that there's some things there that that concern me just from a consistency Standpoint, You know, is it's technique in the pocket. Yes, stuff that can be cleaned up, but to me, it's hard to really lift a guy that, you know, and it's been just about every tape I've watched where he just misses what I call layups, like throws in front of him and he just, he wildly misses those throws, you know, four, five, six times in a game. And that concerns me. Yes, it, it can be something that can easily be cleaned up. It can be a confidence or a comfort thing. Um, but that concerns me a little bit. Um, just when you're watching it on tape over and over again, it's like, okay, why why is he missing as many layups as he's missing? Because I believe that's where, you know, day one, and, and to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, that's where it has to start is you have to make the layups. You have to make the simple reads. You got to make the simple throws. And if you can't do that, it's always going to put your team behind the eight ball.
0: Great stuff from uh, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, who knows just a little bit about playing the quarterback position in the NFL. Great breakdown, Kurt. Thanks for the time. We really appreciate it and uh, would
2: love to circle back down the road. Sounds great. Let's do it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.